Well, we want all of our special programs to be available to every child in Rockford. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for some to do something they're passionate about, something they're good at. I think we have people from all walks of life, regardless of what um, their philosophy might be, their education level, their wishes and dreams for their students, and I feel like there's a special program or a zone school for them. There's a place where they can find where they fit in Rockford Public Schools. Welcome to the 205 Vibe Podcast. We're back. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm um, very happy to um, to bring this uh, broadcast to you and this content. I know I always say it, but I just think we have, we have great guests, um, whether they're in our system or... Um, you know, a community member, family member. But today, um, just someone who I've just have admired, have worked well with just from day one. Um, that's always what makes the work easier, right? When you work with really, really good people. And today we have with us Dr. Heather Saltis, who is a principal supervisor. She came in kind of leading our special programs, but her role has expanded. And I'll just tell you something really quick about um, people when they have doctor in front of their name, right? One of the things that's great about Dr. Heather Saltis is that she's humble enough where she just really didn't want, she doesn't want you to call, she wants you to call her Heather, right? She's not into the whole doctor thing, but I do it just because I know that it just is something that she would prefer that I not do. So to get me back, she starts. She started calling me Earl Dotson Jr. She added the junior in. So that was our little thing uh, it's been. So welcome, welcome, Heather. Good to be here. Yes, call me Heather. <laughs> <laughs> or as I say, doc, the, my kids will say, the kind of doctor that doesn't help people. And I try to remind them that working with students is always helping people. That's good. That is very <laughs> true. That's their joke. So. That's good. Um, wow. It's good to see you. I know we've, um, there's a lot, there's been a lot going on, huh? Just yeah. to say the least. An interesting year it is we've got some amazing things still happening in spite of it all so that so let's start really quickly um really the, the the these podcasts are not just about the information that we share and the roles people play but also about the people themselves so just briefly just really just how long how long have you been here uh now working for rifle public schools and in your role well this is my sixth year in the district i started out um I came on board just to work with and support special programs, which uh, we'll talk about what those are in a little bit. And now I've expanded my role a little bit to support some early childhood schools and some of our zone elementary schools as well. But lifelong Rockford girl, went to Rockford Public Schools, so it felt like coming home to come back to the schools. Awesome. Wow, that's a huge assumption. How do you know that's what we're going to be talking about later? How do you know? Oh, I just figured. (laughs) I'm a Rockford girl. My 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 mom went to East High School. My grandparents went to Rockford High School before East and West. So it, it, you know, it's home and I love Rockford. So it's good to be working with Rockford Public Schools. Um, Fantastic. Before we, you're right, before we dive into like the special programs aspect of your work, I, I do know that your role has expanded to where you supervise principals uh, in some of our uh, elementary schools. So what schools are those? If you want to just give, you could tell tell the audience that. Oh, sure. So I have early childhood schools, and I kind of work hand-in-hand hand with Kim Nelson, our executive director of early childhood, and uh, support the principals, um, evaluate, and, and just kind of support the heck out of our early childhood programming. 
Um, I have a few elementary schools as well. I have Spring Creek, Hillman, Froberg. Well, you're busy. The special program schools, and yeah, I think you're that's busy. It. So, the, so the, so just really quickly, like you know, with early childhood and some of those those elementary schools that you name. Before we dive into this, just how is that? You know, you know, those schools are, I believe, they're five days a week in person. Um, you know, with uh, obviously with COVID nineteen happening, we have the in person options and the remote options. Just your general sense right now, just just how the, how is that going for for our students, for our, for our teachers and our families? Well, people are working really hard, and I know everyone has had to to accept what probably isn't their first choice this year with what we're facing. Our in person students, uh, I'm out in buildings every single day. I was in two buildings today already, um, and I see the in person students having uh, as close to a typical day as we can uh, without doing a lot of the hands-on group work that we would like to be doing with them, but in a classroom, uh, socially distanced, kids are wearing their masks, the safety protocols are in place, and then we're really trying to focus on instruction. And then I also have spent some time, every time I go out, I try and spend some time with a remote teacher. I got to see an amazing teacher, a fifth grade teacher at Froberg today, uh, who was doing um, some lessons with students, and he was piloting something, but he had his whole classroom set up kind of warm and fuzzy with a lamp, and he had extra cameras set up so that when he's using his whiteboard, he can stay on camera. Uh, he was using something called Jamboard where he the kids could write, and he could immediately give them feedback, almost like they had a piece of paper right in front of them. Um, it was pretty amazing, and um, his name was Rob Miller, so I want to shout him out because he was a real high flyer, and I you know his principal was proud to, to show me the kinds of things he was doing, and he's getting some great student engagement. It's a huge paradigm shift for all of us, and so I think as we're gradually getting used to more and more digital platforms, whether we're in person or remote, we're, that's evolving more and more, and we have a lot of high flyers out there who are helping to bring others along uh, on the tech journey. So, You know, I, I just I really want to thank you. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that story. That is that is that is huge, because at our level, when we get when you get to our level, um, we we mostly hear most of the problem the problems right and how things what things aren't working right that's just part of our job, but I can't tell you having also been in buildings, we have some amazing teachers right and some people who are who out there are just they're killing it. And we don't talk about them enough, right? And they need to hear it from us, too. You know, I thanked a high school teacher yesterday at the end of a Zoom, um, one of the Gifted Academy teachers, and I just said, thank you. I want you to know we know how hard you're working. You know, high school English teachers have their in-person and remote. They have 150 kids, and they still have to assign all the writing and grade all the writing. And um, she's... I, I, it means a lot to people when you recognize how hard they're working. So and we certainly have, it, again, it's a huge shift. We have a lot to learn. We sure, have a lot of room sure. to grow. Um, and some things are are known differently than, than we knew them before. Absolutely. And I think that's just an important point to make, right? Um, you know, it is a paradigm shift, right? And, some, and any time change in those shifts... It takes time, right? Some people need a little more time than others. You have to learn different skill sets, different tools. And so I think the word grace, right? We have to give ourselves some space and grace, right, to, to continue to grow and learn this. But shout out to all those, all the teachers out there who are really 100%. Making, it, making their work, doing their best, and the students 
who are also maybe feeling isolated and families. Um, we're going to get it together, right? We're going to win, right? I have a good friend of mine. We are. Outside. We don't have a choice, and we, we, we choice. need to do it for them. So let's dive into um, a little bit about these special programs. Sure. I know that's kind of been your, that's, you know, you kind of, that's how you kind of came here. I know that's kind of been, that's when you're in your lane, your bailiwick, as people say. So I, I want to just first, if you could just list and just name the special programs in our portfolio, because I don't think everyone really knows what those are. I think we we get stuck on, I think most people know, oh, there's a gifted program and there's a Kappa and, and a Montessori, but there are other things in that. If you just go ahead and tell us what those, what that. Right, what those right. programs are. Sure. You know, we have five special programs, seven different buildings they're housed at because of the different grade levels. We have our pre-K through eight Montessori program housed at Marsh, and that serves students. Uh, the, there's a lottery. I'll do the three lottery programs first. So that would be our Montessori program. There's a lottery to get in for students who are turning four that year. And then we have our STEAM Academy at Haskell which is our newest special program. They're about three and a half years into being a special program. And they have a science, technology, engineering, arts, and math focus, very integrated curriculum, very hands-on. And then we have our Kappa Academy, which is housed between two buildings. Our middle school portion of the Kappa Academy is at West Middle School. It's an audition-based arts program for students who are really interested in, passionate about, or have talent in one of the visual or performing arts, and they just want to do more of that more often with kids who are really passionate about that. And that program continues at Auburn High School for grades 9 through 12. We have our Gifted Academy in three different buildings. Uh, Marshall Elementary has grades 1 through 4. And that's a test in uh, selection or, or eligibility process. And then that program continues at Thurgood Marshall Middle, grades 5 through 8. And then again carries on at Auburn High School, grades 9 through 12. And our middle school portion of the Gifted Academy is a Blue Ribbon School the first time this year. So that was exciting based on uh, their standardized scores. And, and that's compared to other self-contained gifted programs as well. Then we have our two-way language immersion program at Barber. And Barber is the only two-way program where students are learning Spanish and English. And what that means is uh, 50% of the students coming in at kindergarten are English speakers and 50% are Spanish speakers. And they are put into an immersion Spanish program. 90% of the day is Spanish at the beginning. Every year that percentage gradually decreases till about fifth grade where For 5th through 8th grade, students have half Spanish and half English every day. And our goal for that program is that you have that family atmosphere where kids are together for grades K through 8, and that kids are bilingual uh, by the time they leave. And hopefully our, our, our goal eventually for those students is that by early high school, they'll be poised to get the seal of biliteracy by the time they take their SAT test or... The access test, which is what the, the Spanish speakers take to show English um, proficiency, that and the seal of biliteracy is a statewide seal that you can earn for being bilingual that also opens up tons of scholarships to you. So we try and recruit not only for our students who are Spanish speakers, but for our English-speaking students who would like to become bilingual. Awesome. So I know there's lots of wonderful, because, you know, I've been around the district and... Um, I visited all those schools and programs, and I, I just look at the different. For me, I just, I, they're all our kids. All right, I love them all. They all, they all do a great job in their own right. Um, 
but I really I want to dive first into um, you know let's just let's just get into some real stuff right out the, just right out the gate and because let's you know, get real let's get <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so one of the things um, like like you know we, we you know special programs have a storied history in Rockford right and there have been I would call I would I'll just say there's been just some some perceptions and misconceptions. Uh, sometimes about the program, who can get in, et cetera, et cetera. Talk talk about you know one of the things I know you just because I you and I have talked about this before in the past, but I, one of the things I just wanted to just jump in right away is when we talk about making sure that those programs, whether it's gifted Montessori, are ex, are accessible to all of our students, right? And I know that's been a focus of yours, right? One hundred percent. You want mm-hmm. you want students and families from all of our backgrounds to have access to this program, and you've 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 gone out of your way to make that happen. And I've noticed that since you've been here, that that's been something that you focused on, and it's kind of borne itself out when you go kind of look and see who's in the programs now. Just talk about why that's important to you, and why that was a focus of making sure that it wasn't just seen as a as a just an exclusive, these exclusive schools, but but are but are actually inclusive. Um, to talk about that approach. Right. Well, we want all of our special programs to be available to every child in Rockford. Um, it's it's an opportunity for some to do something they're passionate about, something they're good at, something a parent feels strongly about, or a teacher sees would be a good match for a child. Um, so we want to make sure all of our students and all of our families know about them. We have our, our information translated into several languages. We make sure that we're reaching out to all of our early childhood centers, all of our Head Start centers, um, Latino Coalition, our Bilingual Parent Advisory Council, just making sure that everyone knows no matter where you live in Rockford, you have access to hopefully a, a great zone school, and then you have another option depending on what your family's philosophy might be or what your passion might be. We want everyone in Rockford to feel like there's a place for them in Rockford Public Schools. Um, I was one of those students. I don't know if that's where you want me to go, but it no, kind of came no, from a no. background where my my parents didn't know, and I ended up in a special pro- a couple special programs, so did my sister. And uh, it was an opportunity for us that we would not have had if it weren't for Rockford Public Schools. And, you know, a parent who, who didn't graduate high school, and um, I think we have people from all walks of life, regardless of what um, their philosophy might be, their education level, their wishes and dreams for their students. And I feel like there's a special program or a zone school for them. There's a place where they can find where they fit in Rockford Public Schools. Yeah, that, so that's kind of where I was going. You know, um, this idea that, you know, that some of these programs are our own private schools within the public school system, how a lot of parents seek, seek those out without having to pay the tuition. Um, do you think that's more about is it when you talk about that certain type of is it more about rigor? Um, is it more about what what do you what's kind of the philosophy around, hey, you know, my kid's super smart or I think my kid's gonna get into a get you know, they're gonna receive a better education, it's gonna increase their prospects for getting into a great college. What do you think the the thought process behind or you know, whether it's CAP or any of those programs, um, what are your thoughts on that? I think first and foremost, people just want something amazing for their own personal child. Every parent does. I just don't think every parent knows which programs are out there or what's available to them. 
Um, I, I don't think it's um, a bad thing if we have parents choose Rockford Public Schools over private schools, and if special programs can be part of that, then that's, that's a great thing as well. But we need to make sure that all of our families know it's available and they all have access and they all understand as best as we can communicate what the opportunities might be. And I hope we can do that for our zone schools too, You know that, that we're all preparing kids. It's just a slightly different option. Um, but if we can use it as a recruiting tool to att- attract people to live in our area and move to Rockford because they know we have our public schools and, and within our public schools we have some additional choices, I think that's a, that's a good thing for Rockford as well. That's, that's, that's awesome. And part of this is, um, I, I know it's something else you've worked hard on, but is part of this um, kind of educating our own teachers about some of the because I, mean, I heard you mention teachers can also play a role in recommending students. Um, but at the same time, I've heard this, and I don't know how true, I mean, but, uh, you know, do, do teachers or sometimes schools feel that the gifted, you know, or minus, or minus or whatever the program is kind of skims off kind of the quote-unquote kids who, to, who, who tend to perform better at their neighborhood school, and then we, the, the, our, some of our special programs kind of, Kind of, the, you know, just for lack of a better word, kind of skim off the top all of those those types of students. Um, is this more of an? Do we need to educate people about kind of how that works and and what that is? Sure. Well, I mean, I think that's whenever you um, are seeing kids move in and out of your school, you 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 look at why. But I think um, one of the things we've done, for example, for the gift, gifted academy, is we test 100% of our district kindergarten students. Uh, to see who qualifies, and it's an opportunity. And we're also working with our zone schools to provide some enrichment activities for students who are in the zone schools. That's happening in all of our zone schools as well. So the Gifted Academy isn't the only opportunity to have enrichment. Um, but uh, that opportunity is open to every single student in the district. Awesome. So let's dive into, um, so let's dive into the Creative and Performing Arts uh, Program, or also known as CAPA. Um, so the little bit that I know, um, this centers around dance, instrumental music, theater tech, media arts, vocal music, visual arts. Um, you know, what's so, what is, what is, and and this program has been around for a while. I know, I know people have gone through it and families, um, over 50 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why is this? Why is this good for for students, right? Um, and I, so that's one part of the question. And then, if if when you have students who are quote unquote creative in the in one of those areas, does it lend itself for them to also learn just some of the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic? How how, how do they balance that in, in the in the way the curriculum is taught? Right. Well, our students in the Kappa program have more arts and more often. So that's, you know, well, I guess we'll start with what they get in the program, right? And more performances and more opportunity to be with students overall who just choose that to be their primary focus. Um, They do have all the regular academic requirements and those uh, as much as possible are arts infused or arts integrated activities. Uh, the cap, for example, the CAPA program at West, two or three times a year, they have kind of a showcase from their content area teachers of arts-infused and arts ac- uh, arts-integrated activities and performances that the students have done that kind of crosswalk the standards, the academic standards, with the art standards, with the goal that no matter what you do, we also we want scholar artists just like we want scholar athletes, and uh, the arts are part of our front porch everywhere, but 
we want to provide a kind of a gifted arts opportunity for our kids who really want to pursue that at a deeper level. And we do rely, again, a lot on teacher, our, our elementary art and music teachers help us, you know, with some of our students, especially some of our students who may struggle at home to put together a portfolio. We've had principals and teachers drive kids to auditions. Uh, we're now doing virtual auditions this year, so that's interesting, and we're working with our elementary um, art and music specialist to help us with that, to identify kids who might have that passion. And it's a pathway, it's an on-ramp to high school academies, but it's also a pathway to find your passion as a human and sure. what, sure. what you want to do, whether you end up as a performing artist as a career or it influence you, influences you deeply in whatever other career you have. We feel like... Um, you know, the arts are vital. I know you've changed. I know you all have changed how to quote unquote, get into that program with, I heard you mention the audition process. Like how does, how does one, if you're, if you're in, what, what grade does it start? And then how do you get in? How do you get in? How do you, what, 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 like if I wanted to get into that program, um, I, th I think I can sing. But not everybody can sing. I mean, do, so do I have to come up and sing? Do I got to play an instrument? You do. Do I have to do? I do, do I have to do? You a, actually have a, to audition. A routine. <laughs> you do. Really? So for fifth grade, because you and Connor, I'm sorry, you just guys heard me with my fake uh, rap, my 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 lyrics before. So you, know, I probably couldn't get in with that. But oh, go ahead. I don't know. I think you have Kappa Sparkle. <laughs> That's what we call it. You know. But, but go ahead. We, we do a few things. We do have an audition. Our, our our audition of our fifth graders going into middle school. We do ask them to do a little bit more. Our high school students can select one or two. Like if you're more the quiet visual artist, we're not going to make you sing or play an instrument at high school if you really know that. But our 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 students who are coming in, it's an equity issue, right? Not every fifth grader has had the opportunity to play an instrument or to take dance or do all of the arts. So we do ask them to try all the audition areas. They do a monologue. They um, do some pitch matching and or singing. Depend. They have to have, We ask them to have something prepared. They do some rhythm matching. If they're really into music and they love music and they can't sing, then they might be really great at um, rhythms and, and do instrumental music instead. We do that, have them do some creative movement. They do a dance um, audition. And we have gone back and forth about whether all of the areas should be required for our fifth graders. But we find there's a lot of students who just haven't had the opportunity to try those. And our teachers and a Kappa program are very skilled at looking for kind of some natural passion and ability being able to move to the beat, recreate a pattern, and, and we've had some fabulous dancers that have come through that maybe did not grow up having lessons. Uh, so we're really mining for passion and talent out of our fifth graders uh, for kids who want to be in there. And then the bar is a little bit higher for high school. You have to have developed that um, that gift into a little bit more of a talent show that you really are committed because it, it turns into you know AP art and a lot of our students prepping them for auditions and, and college applications in the arts, so that kind of thing. So that's the other, so that's, so we've kind of talked about Kappa. That's one. We talked a little bit about gifted. I'm going to come back to that and just want, cause I have one Absolutely. More. And we can talk about our, but I want to, but, but I, but I want to, the next one I want to go to is I love, I love steam. Me you know, too. I, you know, I am a huge fan of Lori Leathers and what Amazing she has principal. done mm -hmm. uh, at that school. She's amazing. You know, it went from, I mean, just, I love, and her staff and her team over there, you know, they keep, they get after it. And it went from Haskell Year Round Academy and these other things. Now it's STEAM. And they, they're really doing some really cool stuff over there. But um, I, guess, I guess I want to ask you, you know, you know, obviously um, locations matter, location, 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 and where, where, but 
they're they're still making it work there. And um, how do we continue to make that a destination point for families, right? How do we how do we help make that people aware of the amazing work going on there, and really really make that a place where um, they're, they're, you know scarcity and make people really want to be involved with that. What are your thoughts about STEAM? Well, I think it's growing. I think uh, the fact that they went from a lowest performing to a commendable school um, with their academic results uh, is a huge uh, perk to the work that they've done. And we know it's because of, of course, leadership, but it's also the focus on all the hands-on, critical thinking, the Lego work. The They do Project Lead the Way Launch, which is an engineering program for elementary students. It's the only elementary school in the district using that. So there's lots of coding and physics and group work and engineering work that's happening. They have a maker space they visit with a, a teacher who is in charge of that where they're doing open-ended, um, it's kind of, as in the educational terms, PDSA, or if you're an early childhood teacher, it's like plan, do, review. The kids are planning these activities and doing different iterations of them until they come up with a solution. And that kind of critical thinking is good for all of our kids. So we are seeing some results and will continue to. They've also taken an, uh, our district uh, integrated literacy curriculum and they've infused it more with the science program that they have. So it has a little bit more of a science focus. So it really is STEAM. And then as far as the arts go, uh, we have more instrumental music starting with fourth and fifth graders there. We have uh, some more art specialists. So um, all of those things are just getting kids more involved in you know, we, STEM alone, the reason STEM became STEAM is because, you know, those design principles, the way of thinking about how to apply those science and technology and math concepts, um, you, you need to be able to do that, too. You can't just solve a math problem. Then you have to uh, use your design thinking to create something. And so that's really where the A in arts comes in with Haskell. And it's fun to see the kids now who are, I believe, third graders are the, the, first, the oldest students who started as kindergartners. And to watch them come up through the program and um, bringing more family and families in, we have more than one teacher at Haskell now who has their child in the school. Uh, we have a few people who had out of district students who wanted to bring their children to Haskell wow. but couldn't. That's awesome. So we're starting to see just that kind of interest in in the program, but it's still kind of remaining true to who they always were too. Yes. And speaking of that, is there if if you had to pick one, is there one thing or two things? If there was just to give them a little another little boost or shot in the arm. Um, is it more awareness and do we need to market it more? I mean, what do we need to, is there one thing that we could do to really um, help them that are they looking for? I think it's continuing to talk about it. And I, I find Rockford is, is a really big word of mouth kind mm -hmm. of town. Like we, we, we can publicize it. I think Very there's true. the awareness piece, but once people have the awareness, if they know somebody who's had a positive experience, um, and that, that's just been my experience in Rockford. They kind of have that trust. Uh, we need a little bit of both. So they need kind of the quantitative. Sure, sure. And they need the scores. So we need to keep doing well achievement-wise to sure. show that it is making a difference for our kids. So. Very true. Um, let's jump into the Barber Two-Way Language Immersion. This is another great school. I've spent lots of time there. Great teachers. I passionate staff. Very passionate. Yes. They're very dedicated. Most of them, a big chunk of them send their their, their own children to the school. Yes. Um, so I know one of the things, um, I mean, just, and you kind of already kind of talked a little bit about their, some of what they offer. So one of the things I know, um, the school is, they're bursting at the seams. I know they need more room. Um, but some of the issues, I just, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on some of these things. I, I believe it currently only goes up to eighth grade. 
It does. And I know one of the concerns that I've heard at that, you know, just from the teachers and parents is that, right, they would love for it to go all the way through because what happens, um, again, just from what I hear, is once they get to high school, um, some of their skills in terms of the language and things that they were learning um, tend to take a back seat or it's not it's not as a rigorous kind of focus once they get to high school. I mean, do, is that is there some truth to that? Is there are we addressing that part of? You know, we've done some research. This is n- not the year to make a big change. This year, um, first we're, we're working on getting um, getting some things into place to make sure that we are working towards the seal of biliteracy, which I mentioned earlier. So, we have some benchmark work in Spanish that's happening, so that our students can earn something at fifth grade and at eighth grade that show they're on their way. But then we we have. Um, interacted with a couple of schools, especially on the West Coast and then Southwest, who have a strand of the two-way immersion that goes all the way through high school, or at least through sophomore year. And then a lot of the strands, um, the school districts that do that have something, you know, beyond that where students are taking really advanced Spanish courses, maybe like the equivalent to our Rock Valley where they can do legal legal terms in Spanish or medical terms in Spanish. So we have kids who are really, truly language experts. Or they switch to a third language for um, junior and senior year. So that, I mean, that is uh, an aspirational goal for sure. Sure, sure. Uh, And I know a lot of the, not only the students, but the parents who've gone through Barber. We currently have one student who went all the way through who's in our RU pathway, and now he's coming back to student teach at Barber. Yes, yes. And that's pretty exciting. He is that is very exciting, which is a great segue into. I mean, what do you find that the we talked a little bit about the kind of the makeup of the you know the parent who who chooses one of the special programs, whether it's the, the gifted part or cap or whatever that may be. What do you find that is the is behind the I mean the typical parent when if they're trying to send their kid to Barbara, is it the do you see it's more of um, I guess we would call more of non-Spanish speakers seeking to get their kids to learn to speak Spanish, or is it kind of native speakers who kind of just want their their child or their student to improve on what they hear in the home or because they, mm-hmm, they, they're just mm-hmm. more comfortable uh, in that environment? I mean, what, what, what do we find? Is it more of an exclusive group of kids who just want to improve on their Spanish, or what, what, do, we, what do you see there? I think we have three or four different groups, right? Okay. So we have we, we have our heritage Spanish speakers whose parents want them to continue with Spanish and also learn English. Then we have our second, third, fourth generation uh, Latino families who parents, grandparents, or even even more removed from that spoke Spanish. The parents might have some Spanish, and they just really want that for their children. They may be orally fluent, but they may you know not be completely reading, writing, speaking fluent in Spanish. So they, they value that and they want that for their children. And then we have our group of families who value that over their zone school choice because they see that, you know, it's a global city that we live in and they want their children to have another opportunity besides um, the curriculum that they would get at their zone school and they, they'd like them to learn Spanish. So we kind of have those different groups. So uh, we do have the students take a little assessment to show that they're strong e- either in English or Spanish so that we have the, the mirroring going on in the two languages. Uh, a little bit extra challenging this year with te- uh, the remote students, but that those are kind of the, the that's, populations. That kind of, that's on my bucket list, right? I say this all the time. I want to learn how to speak Spanish. I don't know if I'm going to do Rosetta Stone. Dr. Jarrett won't let me enroll in Barber. 
Yep, uh, tiene que to, vivir en un país. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You have you to for, live in a country thank you, or a place, un lugar. I know a few words. Where they speak Spanish. That's when you get it. Is that what it is? That's what I took, gosh, seven years of Spanish, high school. and Me too, and I still don't know. And I had to move to Ecuador for a while. Oh, that's the secret. And then I became more fluent, right? Oh, okay. All right, so I have to find out. And I've lost a lot. You have to practice it too, so we'll have to. Oh, man. But I think a lot of us adults wish, and that's one of the values of a school like Barber, learning that we, we typically don't offer a world language to our students until middle school. Well, at least and, you made me feel better. Yes. You, there, there's someone else who took seven years of it, but, and, but I still need, you're saying, so I need to either go to a, native, a country. You have and to be immersed in it. Immersed, okay. Hence the immersion program. No, and it's uncomfortable. No you know, that's something that Man. parents, p- parents don't understand. It's. There's some dissonance. It's exhausting. Let's like our, our English-speaking kindergartners at Barber, they're tired because it's really hard to try and navigate in a world uh, where sure. it's not your language. But um, the payoff is, is amazing. And, and that's when your brain is really plastic for those languages. That's when we should be teaching another language is from that really young age. We just don't have the ability to do that at every school. So that is kind of a special opportunity only offered. And one of the things that not everybody understands about Barber is that the teaching staff has so much diversity uh, from so many different Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, there are lots of different places in this world uh, where Spanish is spoken, and they have a, a pretty strong representation from Mexico, from Central America, from South America, from Spain. So it's uh, it's quite a multicultural education beyond just learning Spanish. I'm so happy just in, just the way this our world, our country evolves. Um, as a native Southsider, I just know that my mom and a lot of my aunts and uncles who grew up on the south side of Rockford, you know, that's where they went to elementary school, Barber. And now to see what it is now, I think it's just fantastic that we've that we've we've evolved in that way. Um, so I, the, another place, and again, I love all of our schools. It's just because I've traveled and been to all of them many times. But um, I, another one I just love visiting is Montessori, right? And it's just, the, you know, the, it's just fascinating to to observe how they teach uh, the, the, the Maria Montessori model, um, the teachers there, the families, the kids. Um, I love how they, they the, just seeing the different kids at different grade levels all kind of learning together. Um, I think they say something along the lines of educating the whole child. I think that's in part of their, their, their model and their model. But... Um, if, I mean, some people, in a lot of you talk to teachers and some families, I mean, they swear by the Maria Montessori model. Um, is I mean, why why do we think, why wouldn't we want that for all our kids, right? I mean, is that... Well, I think it's it a philosophy of learning that maybe not everyone deeply understands, too. It's very much about um, the child is at the center of what happens, and we're following the child. Uh, you walk into a Montessori classroom, it might take you a while to see where the teacher is. The students, it's a very peaceful, quiet classroom with, uh, you know, one of their tenants are grace and courtesy, working on that with the students and honoring the environment and being respectful of their materials, taking care of all of their things at home. It's been around for, you know, well over 100 years now. And um, it's just a different philosophy. And it's not necessarily focused, although, of course, it's a public school, so we want our our achievement to be there. But Everything that is learned in a Montessori program is not something necessarily that's tested on all of our standardized tests. So um, just some of those uh, interactions with others in the world. And there are a lot of social, a big social justice focus for the kids as they get older. Mm-hmm. 
and working on uh, looking at global issues and how they can help support uh, and figure out what they're passionate about. You know, one of our um, Montessori uh, grads who went all the way through eighth grade went on to be a superstar at Auburn in the Kappa program, and now he's at Bradley as a senator. David Day, I think he was on the super superintendent's advisory yes, panel. Yes. You know, we Amazing all know. Young man. We all know examples of that, but it's that whole idea of self-agency that you are responsible for your own learning, and uh, there are different works that are presented, and the, the teacher's job is to be, you know, guide on the side and really watching what the kids are doing and helping to present the next activity based on the child's interest and readiness, and having to be a real expert in observing the child. Um, you know, and, you're, and you said something there that, um, I just if you could just briefly expound on, um, you know, sometimes when other 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 people have other expectations for our programs, and I don't know. I mean, I I I think there are other metrics that define success, and whether or not you're you know quote unquote learning or getting an education and or an educated human being. But one of the things that you know m- many people use as a as a metric or a measurement is standardized testing, and I, I heard you mention that, and I've heard you kind of give those reports in front of the board and the community and the public, um, and, and trying to explain. I mean, it is so for someone who says, "Hey, all these special programs should be far out exceeding or far doing much better than some of our." Um, kind of regular, you know, zone kids who are in zone schools, they should be just by far and away, you know, doing so much better on standardized testing. Um, why is that? Why isn't that not the case sometimes? Um, um, or you know, how do you feel about that whole using that as a metric and just the whole idea of, um, you know, should they should they be kind of the the uh, not necessarily the outlier, but kind of leading the way in 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 um, in some of those measurements that we use to gauge outcomes? Well, I think it's fair that, you know, we as a big public school district, we are a public school and we do have those metrics. And I, I do think that should be one metric. I agree. But I think um, the age at which students get there might vary in some of our programs. For example, Montessori, the standards are not taught at the same level. Uh, or at the same grade level that they might be taught in a traditional curriculum. So if our students are comparable with our district scores by eighth grade, uh, if they're going on to high school and they're staying in high school, if our parents are satisfied, uh, if if our behavioral data, I think we should be looking at all of it, not just one data point. And I think we, we are always looking for tools to measure things beyond test scores because people want data now. Um, our, our culture and climate surveys for special programs are strong. Parents are happy. The students are staying in school. We should be looking at the long-term effects, our graduation rate for students who attend special programs, et cetera. But I think it's fair to say that should be one of the metrics, but it, it can't be the only metric. I don't think it should be the only metric for any school. Uh, but if you have an alternate curriculum, uh, there are other metrics that we look at as well. And, and how many of our families are attracted to the program for those other things? I think that shows up in some of our, our survey data as well. Um, you mentioned we mentioned you mentioned this earlier in our discussion, but I just want to visit, revisit it one more time. And I don't hear it as much, um, you know, it's not, but it doesn't mean that it's gone away. But because um, you had talked about how to, you know, you kind of there's a lottery for Montessori. You got a lottery you, for Steam Academy. Lottery. There's a lottery plus you have to, to pass a little English or Spanish oral 
questionnaire, and then there's a lottery for Barber. So those are the three lottery programs. Those are three lottery programs. Right, and those those lotteries will be starting um, the, the in March. We run the lottery or the deadline for the lottery, so parents who are interested will be, will be applying to those in January, February of this year, March. Okay. We're still doing all of our orientations via Zoom. And for Kappa, we talked about the auditions. And then for Gifted, we have uh, testing that we do uh, every year for students. And I just wanted to go back again just really quickly mm-hmm. to the, um, you know, and just in, in um, obviously one of the topics, and it's been, been a topic for a while, but I just want to revisit just the, going back to the diversity question, right? Yes. And, and do you, you feel confident, though, that, um, you know, do, that we think that we do a good job of diversity as it relates to minorities either being able to test into the programs that you have to test to into, or is the lottery set up in a fair enough way where we get a good enough representation of minority students? Um, I mean, how, how, again, I know you, I know you, 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 you believe that and you work towards that, but how, how, how are we doing with that? I mean, we, what else do we need to do? I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get into kind of the whole, um, you know, how do you either change the standards or how do you and do We're some not going to change things. standards. We have a couple pro- we have but, but some you, equity challenges. You, yeah, yeah. The equity piece, Absolutely. how do we do a better job of widening the net, if you will, to make sure that we get a really good representation of our community in, in these programs? Right. And, and we have different kind of equity challenges in different programs. You know, our, our barber program tends to be very heavily you know, Hispanic or Latino. We have a very high African-American population at Haskell. Uh, Kappa actually looks probably the most like our Rockford demographics. It's pretty balanced. Um, our well, it's at, it's at West. I mean, come on. That's right. the most nationally integrated uh, right. school in our city. Right, but we pull city. kids from all over the district, <laughs> yeah. and we still end up with kind of a, you know, that. and our gifted academy, um, you know, we, we continue every year to add to, to do better with our equity challenge there. And it's the same kind of issue that I think a lot of our program uh, gifted programs nationwide are struggling with. So we've gradually implemented um, using local norms for all of our kids. We've um, got some pilot programs for enrichment at our most underserved schools, not changing uh, the test per se but cha- at all, but changing uh, some of the enrichment activities that all kids get exposed to in kindergarten uh, before they take the gifted test that they may or may not have uh, at at their home um, that some of our parents may be doing in other demographics. So that's something we're piloting this year as well that I'm really excited about. So we're working, uh, we've done a lot of reading as a gifted steering committee. We've been consulting with Joy Lawson Davis, who was the diversity consultant for the National Association for Gifted Children. And she's kind of helped guide us through some of the the piloting of the work we're doing to see. Uh, One of the things that she's always recommended and it's best practice is that we do a universal screener, which means we test instead of relying on teacher recommendations or the parents knowing about the program or pushing the test for their child, we test every single kindergartner. Means every child with an IEP, every child in every school. So it doesn't matter if you can get your kid to a testing date, we're gonna screen your child. Um, we're, we use local norms, so we're looking for the students who are, you know, our higher achievers are gifted within our local population because that's who we want to stretch. We're not always using national norms, and that's another best practice for equity. For our students who don't take the MAP test, we use something called the HOPE scale, which was developed by some minority uh, professors, and they use all the funding for that HOPE scale, which is kind of a survey uh, to identify underserved students who show gifted traits 
And we have teachers fill that out for our students who don't take the map because they don't speak English. And that has helped us identify more kids. So as a result, we now have you know, full-time special ed and uh, ESL support in our gifted program, which we did not need when I first came. So we've made a little bit of a difference with some of our equity challenge, but we have a long way to go. So we have a new pilot this year with some of our enrichment activities for nine or 10 of our elementary schools that have um, not uh, identified as many students yet. And we know that um, those kids are everywhere. So Awesome. So as we wind down here, I just have a few more questions for you. Uh, before we do, though, um, shout out. Um, uh, again, this is the uh, 205 Vibe podcast. My name is Earl Dotson Jr., your host. I have to throw that in now because my mom listens and she just gets mad when I don't yes. say Yes, does name. your mom listen to all yes, these? Yes, she does. When That's I don't amazing. Say my, when I don't say my name and who I am, she'll just remind me and says, Earl, Earl, you didn't say who you are. Um, so, okay, Good my job. mom, you heard that. Uh, it's me. Um, Earl Dotson Jr. Um, the other thing I want to give a shout out. He he doesn't he doesn't like Mr. Producer, uh, Connor Childers. Um, you know he. Speaking of just kind of um, all these programs and being involved, um, you know, just Kappa. Kappa has great performances. They do a great job, and I know Connor helps help with some of those shows. And I know with Steam, we've done some videos to kind of help promote Steam. So he's a local celebrity out there. So he is. He's, he's well known. You think you can't hide behind the headphones, man? No, no, not anymore. No longer. Um, so I, I did want to ask you, Heather, as you've been, have you, as you, uh, as you have, uh, we've been kind of back in school now, and as you're observing the programs, um, we, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't mention. What, what do you see changing? I mean, or do you know, in terms of with with this pandemic, is are, are there some things that are very noticeable right away about how the programs may change in the way we approach, whether it's testing or the way we deliver the instruction? Um, is do you do, what's been the impact of kind of this the, the pandemic and COVID? Um, do you is it one of these things where we're just going to kind of wait until things get back to quote unquote normal? I mean, what are some immediate impacts that you've noticed with special programs and and the way kind of our, our new reality? I think some of the immediate impact which we saw coming last spring were were some of the performing um, the performing arts, some of the hands on activities, the group work, which of course impacts not just special programs but the rest of our district as well, and coming up with creative ways to still make it a special program. So there's some great softwares out there. For example, Kappa has a music first software that we saw coming this spring and have available to our instrumental and vocal music students so they can do some really cool things online. Here's the thing, our kids are very, very digital. So there's so many cool creative platforms. It's almost like our, we're digital immigrants, right? They're digital natives, we've heard that. So um, very true. at least I, I am, because yes, I'm older yes. older than you, Me Earl too. Dutch and Me Junior. Too. <laughs> but um, just trying to find ways, but, but it is apparent when you're out in the schools that it's not school the way anyone really wants to see it. At this point, we can't do a lot of the awesome spaces and furniture and, you know, Lego work. It's, it's happening more on an individual basis, but, but you, you're still going to go out and see those materials being used. We're trying to provide those for our remote learners more and more. Um, but that, that's going to be our biggest challenge, not just for special programs, but overall, how can we adapt um, luckily, so much of the software now for uploading a video of yourself, it's, sure. it's on your phone. So sure. if kids have a smartphone, they can access a lot of it. Um, wow, fascinating. I know. Yeah. So this is right. Yeah. So I just I know everyone 
education, no matter what industry or business, public or private sector, everyone's adjusting. I hope there's some things we keep, though, and some things that we, we don't put it completely back the way it was. I think we have an opportunity to make an I, even bigger shift. I agree. Uh, and, and explore things that we never would have had the opportunity to do before. I agree 100%. I think, you know, in my conversations, I, I, always, I love to bring, I bring that point up, right? I think um, we should embrace sometimes kind of change and take the good parts, right, and, and enhance them and what, what can we do different? What can we learn to do different? I think that's just a part of growth. I mean, we've had teachers doing virtual field trips where the remote teacher has gone out somewhere and shown something and the kids are watching remotely. We've had industry professionals dial in and Zoom with the students. We've had, um, I mean, our kids, there are platforms where you can put together voiceovers and, and stories together. Um, you're working collaboratively separately. So we're just in the midst of this whole mind-blowing thing happening, and I see tons of opportunity, but we have a lot of challenges, equity challenges. We have to like bring people along with, with teachers who need to get there, with students and families who need to get there. But I think we have a lot of really bright spots emerging, and the more we can utilize these teachers and students who are doing amazing things, um, maybe some new special programs will emerge. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a our own technology program or something. Exactly. I need to find that one. I need that technology program. I need to find the school who has the auto tone so it can help improve on my singing and my, you know what I'm saying? My, my rap career and my, and my singing career. You can sound like Cher me. in her later years. <laughs> yeah. So um, the last, one of the last things I want to ask you is ultimately, um, you know, Heather, what, 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 if you had to pick like your hopes and dreams, your North star, your aspirational goal, for other special programs, one in particular, or anything for each, um, kind of what what do you, what kind of mark do you want to leave, and part of your, part of the legacy you want to leave, and hope that we kind of reach um, ultimately with with pro, with these programs. I'd like to see them be um, help help make Rockford Public Schools the first choice for families. That's that's number one. I want to see overflowing wait lists. And I want to see the results that we'd like to see. And not only, you know, we did touch on standardized tests, but uh, on our other measures to our graduation rates. And and most importantly, finding a way to follow those kids who are in the programs and that we've helped students figure out who they are. So when they get to high school or beyond, depending on when the program ends, they, they know themselves and they find something fulfilling. And then hopefully some of them stay in Rockford and pay it forward. Awesome. Last question. And this is a question we ask everyone. All right, so Dr. Heather Saltis, um, you know, at home just chilling. It's a weekend. You got some downtime. Are you if if you're if you're going to turn on the television, uh, either what are you watching, or if you're going to pop in your favorite movie, what what would what would be something that you can just watch over and over again, or what what's something that you're watching right now that you just kind of have to see. Oh, my gosh. That's a hard one. All right. I'm going to come back to that one. I'm going to come back to that one. Why don't you think about that one? Pretty wide. I have pretty eclectic taste. See, I have all these special programs. I'm the same way. I'm kind of <laughs> lots of eclectic okay. taste. All right. How about this? It is a special occasion, and um, your family wants to take you out um, to eat. Do you have a favorite restaurant, or do you have a – what's your favorite dish? Like, what's your go-to, like – I am going. I am not going to be dissatisfied with this, no matter where where I have it, or if it's prepared at home or somewhere. What's what are you eating? 
your favorite? Oh, gosh. Well, I love to go to Green Fire, but I love it when we cook at home and have, um, you know, lobster tail or a, or a good piece of salmon that my husband knows how to fix so well. Just right. have, the family around you is more important than where. But I, more than the food, if I can talk anyone in my family to go hike at Rock Cut with me, <laughs> which is rare. That's good, I'm, though. Lobster, I'm usually doing that on my own. Some lobster and salmon. Yes. Let's go to. Yes. Awesome. Delicious. Um, what about um, if, if we... Um, we go and listen to your car. You turn if you turn on the radio, or if you're at home and you're relaxing and you're chilling, you you want to get your groove on. What, what what kind of genre of music are you listening to? You have a favorite artist? Do you have a favorite uh, you know a, a favorite genre of music? What do you what are you listening to? What's your go to? All right, well that's that's a hard one again. But I have everything from old school rap to <laughs> hipster barbecue radio, which is a lot of current stuff. To 70s, to a lot of singer-songwriters, but okay. I'm a Kappa kid myself, so I'm pretty eclectic, and then I listen to classical, too. But, okay, awesome. Know, it depends on which, which group. Um, I'm with my 20-something-year-old. We're listening to Juice World Radio. If I'm with my <laughs> husband, we're listening to ELO Radio. I love it. I love it. So it just depends. I love it. Not and everybody I, knows what that is, but I know, I know yes, that is. That's yes. awesome. And then uh, one more time, if you want to if, if you want to talk, if you've come up with a – a movie or a TV show? What do you What do you watch? Or is there something? Well, music is a big thing. Right now, we're into High Fidelity with Zoe Kravitz. Okay, because it's a lot of uh, vinyl, um, lots of great soundtracks to the show. It's on Hulu, and uh, we like that. But awesome. I, I like the classics you know, everywhere from that to the Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. But awesome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Dr. Heather Salters. You have uh, thank you for your time. You uh, continue to do amazing work. Um, I'm so glad uh, to, that you're part of the team and to Me the too. work that the work that I've gotten to do with you. It's it's been wonderful. It's been an honor, and so thank you. I appreciate. Thank what you. you. Do it's a great and, place to work. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you for your time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Heather Saltis, and uh, again, you have been listening to the Two or Five Vibe podcast. Uh, Earl Dawson Jr., your host, produced by the one and only Mr. Producer um, Connor Childers. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this and take care. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the 205 Vibe podcast. Subscribe to the 205 Vibe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening now. Check out the blog, videos, and news on rps205.com slash 205 Vibe.